Welcome to Life Learnings. My name is Etienne McClintock, and in the studio today I have two special guests from an organization called Adventist Muslim Relations. It is my pleasure to welcome Paul Bennett and Rodney McCallum. Rodney and Paul, it's wonderful to have you here visiting our studios. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Paul, let me hand over to you first. Would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself, your background, where you're from? Sure. Uh, look, I grew up in Sydney. Uh, I was a Catholic boy. Mm. I, uh, on the northern beaches, so surfing was my life. Oh, I just nice. loved the outside activity, the you know the just the fresh air and all those things. Uh, so, at an age of about twenty-two, I started to really ponder what life was all about. I was probably going nowhere in my life, and I started searching, searching for answers. I wanted to know where I came from, what I'm doing here, and where am I going? You know, three pretty important questions Definitely, for all yeah. of us. Yeah. I yeah. think I sort of asked those same questions around about the same age as well. You might have read the same book, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so and I was really um, confused, to be honest with you. Yeah, it was really troubling me. And so I, I left Sydney. I just took off mm. and uh, had my surfboard. And I had a little bit of money and a car, and off I went. And the Lord led me to a point, you know, I visited different churches and groups and... And I ended up becoming a Seventh-day Adventist through study. And uh, the health message really led me that way. And and then my journey had just begun, and it's Mm. still an exciting journey. And that was all part of your surfing safari in Australia? Yes, in Australia. Oh, very nice. So, but while you're still with you, Paul, um, what do you currently do? What, what's your well, I'm, I'm a tradesperson. Uh, I have a few trades. I um, also business management. I'm actually a founder of an organization in Indonesia, which I manage, and I am the director. It's a humanitarian organization. Okay. Uh, blessing people and mm. helping people with no strings attached. So I'm very involved in that. I've just actually returned from overseas, running some programs. Actually, running a what we call a "Quit Now, Stop Smoking" program. Right, I've yeah. heard one of those. Yeah. yeah, look, it's an exciting program. Reason being, you know, the average starting age of a smoking boy or man mm. is seven years old in Indonesia. Seven. Wow, that is and very young. Two percent start at four. In Indonesia, two yeah, percent. In Indonesia, so mm. you know it is the second biggest income user in a poor family. So wow. the bottom line is families miss out, the wives miss out on money for their kids' education mm-hmm. because anyway. So from that uh, area of just growing in uh, wanting to be part of a God's blessing that we all can be. Wonderful. Well, Paul, we're going to come back to you in a moment. Uh, Rodney, uh, very nice to have you in the studio as well. I wonder if you can just give us a little bit of your background and where you're from. Sure, Etienne, and thank you for having us here. Mm, uh, I grew up in inland New South Wales, mm. Australia, uh, central west, northwest. I, uh, my family were Presbyterian okay. and went to a, a school in, in Sydney, at uh, Bellevue Hill and 
and agriculture, going back to the bush was my dream. And um, But while I was still young, I, I decided I wanted to see a bit of the world and I went hitchhiking for three and a half years, different parts of the world, much of it in Islamic countries, primarily mm. Islamic countries. Um, Muslims, it just happened... Uh, provided for me, so often protected me, and I came back to Australia um, in agriculture and uh, a man had the courage to approach me and and while I was was traveling, I was it may be a, um, a, a trite phrase, but looking for the meaning of life. Um, mm came back uh, farming and this man had the courage to come and and share the gospel message with me. He was a Seventh-day Adventist and I became a Seventh-day Adventist and then uh, many years passed and I actually relocated to the United States uh, where I've been for the last 13 years. 13 years, wow. Mm. So what do you do in the United States at the moment? Well, in the in the states, I becoming an Adventist, and there there came a time where I I I felt that I wasn't living up to um, certainly the opportunities and the faith mm. that I believed. So I I sold my farm, and and um, and it just happened by circumstance that circumstance that I ended up in America, and the Michigan Conference asked me if I would. Um, the, the church is broken up into conferences at a certain level and I was invited to to stay there so I did and I spend a lot of my time uh, with Muslims oh, sharing okay. the gospel and in the book of Revelation um, there are um, uh Guidelines that need to go to all people in this world, which includes includes um, the people of Islam, and I have a connection, and and so I I share what um, what we as Seventh Day Adventists believe. I share with 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 Muslims, oh, that's, that's not just in America, but all parts other of the world. parts as well. It's interesting. So uh, you and Rodney and Paul, you obviously know each other reasonably mm-hmm. well. How did you guys come to meet each other? Yeah, well, actually I attended a program in Sydney on Islam. That uh, There was a presenter that had come to share about some prophecies uh, in regards to where Islam fits in mm. to the picture, you know, from a biblical per- perspective, which sure. they do. Yes. It's all there. And so I was really interested in that because you know I spent some time in Indonesia and then I, I, I started to really get to know my Muslim friends and I wanted to know more and so when I was at that um, presentation that evening the American who sh- was sharing uh, at the program gave me Rodney's address or email and said you need to contact this Australian I said sure I will. So yeah. that's how okay. it all came about. Yeah. Right. So you weren't at the same program at the time, Rodney. It was just a, a, an email. No. 
Mm. <clears throat> and from there, you met each other and got in touch and uh, mm. realized, because you're mentioning Islam as well now, and Rodden, you've mentioned it before. So becoming Seventh-day Adventist Christians and then being interested in Islam because of your background and your experiences up to that mm. point in time, you made this connection. And Paul, Paul had a connection with Indonesia, and we actually met in Indonesia, and we spent a little bit of time there, um, which really cemented the friendship and the common goals that we have. Mm. Yeah, yeah, because it's actually a, it's all about a a journey, mm. and you know we're all on a journey. Yeah, that's for sure. And yes. our Muslim brothers and sisters are on a journey, and mm-hmm. it's actually good to journey together as best we can to grow and to deepen our understanding of our Creator God, which you know Muslims believe in uh, as well. Yeah, yeah and they right, they yeah. they desire that. They they're interested, mm. and it's uh, it's a great way to go about things. You know, let's journey together and learn and be mm. ready. Because Muslims are looking forward to the uh, second coming of Isa al Masih, or Jesus, as they, as we would say, Jesus, and they say Isa, Isa, Isa mm-hmm. al Masih. Yeah. Mm. So they uh, the, they're interested in these subjects, and so am I. So we journey together as we learn together. Well, yes. What well, interests me because in the Seventh Day Adventist Church, I mean, the word Adventist obviously means looking for the mm. coming return of Jesus Christ, and that that's the prominent part of their teachings as well is, is, is fascinating. Mm. So are there uh, lots of similarities between what Muslims believe and teach and what Adventists believe and teach? Well, there are, most certainly. Um, but if we, if we look at maybe our lifestyle, mm. uh, we Adventists, we don't drink alcohol. Muslims don't drink alcohol. Mm. Um, unclean foods... Um, neither of us eats pig and and while Adventists have a little bit more expansive and understanding on unclean foods um, it's my experience when Muslims <coughs> see the the expansion of that they they adopt it as well oh, um, interesting um, we both believe in no drugs you know drug taking mm. um, and while um, we we don't smoke um, Muslims do, um, and caffeine. We we tend to stay away from caffeine. Caffeine, sure. they do consume caffeine, but um, there's a health component there, which mm, mm. which we connect with. We both believe, you know, not gambling, modesty for both men and women um, in dress and behaviour. Um, relationships between the genders are reserved until marriage and it's based on a principle of purity tithing and charity um, very similarly might have different names for it the, the how it's worked out is a little bit different but the principle is still essentially the same we don't worship idols, neither of us yes. um, we believe in end time events will soon occur they have a very strong belief in end time mm, events interesting. and soon we believe in all ten commandments, and um, we must live by them. And they uphold the ten commandments. They, of course, um, 
you know, we could question the fourth commandment. Yes. Um, and that's our responsibility to to share that with them. Um, we both believe in one God. We believe in a judgment and believe in eternal life for the faithful um, to well, God. Well, you've named quite a few there. I didn't realize there were so many similarities in a lot of our beliefs and practices. So in regards to Christianity, we, we obviously use the Old Testament and the New Testament, and that's how we establish our understanding of God and his teachings. Which books do the Muslims use for their understanding and interpretation, especially if they look towards the future as well and they expect the return of Christ? How would they come to that realization? Yeah, well, look, the, I, I suppose Muslims appreciate all four books, the Torah, okay. The Injil, the Zabur, 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 which is the Psalms, Psalms, and Al Quran, and so they mm. they really do um, enjoy them. Although in saying that, they they do feel that uh, the Bible as we have it today has been corrupted. Okay. Um, and we could talk about that. It's quite an interesting subject, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll let you either bring that up if you want us to talk about that. But yeah, look, their main book really is the Quran, Al Quran, and uh, yeah, it's it's what they go on. The Quran always points back to the the, the Torah and the Injil in particular. So that's where the Injil. And the Torah, which is what Old Testament or the Law and yeah. the New Testament, that's where they get the significance. Yeah. So it's, they can find that endorsement of those scriptures in the Quran. Absolutely. You know, I, look, I'm not a an expert when it comes to um, the language of the Quran. Mm. I go on what the the uh, the interpreters have put down, and but it's to me it's as clear as the sun in the sky. It's mm. always pointing back to the holy books that mm, have mm. come before it. It's it's there, and, and people read into this lots of things, but if you read it as it is, it's and I could read many surahs that are just very you know, noble and just such an encouraging uh, verse that most Christians would say, wow, I didn't know that. Mm. It's interesting, you know, from time to time, you know, on social media, whether it be Facebook or something else, you may see some uh, quotes from the Quran, and they may put Islam in a, a negative light. Now, I don't know the Quran that well myself to actually say, yes, that's correct or wrong, because I know that people use the Bible in uh, similar ways where they they'll do. pull something out of context and then put a negative slant on the belief. Does that happen with, oh, with look, Islam as well? You know, I, I was in a lecture. Um, so it was probably a couple of years ago now. I was listening to someone, some expert, um, talk about their view. I think they came from the Middle East somewhere. And he was t- telling us what Muslims believe. And he, he read this surah. And I listened, and I said, oh, that doesn't sound right. Actually, I stood up, and I said, no, that, that doesn't sound right. And mm. I was hushed down by pretty well everyone. Right. And he, the speaker ended up coming and talking to me. But then I went home, and I read it, and it was out of context. He mm. actually read it in a way, and I've got it here, and it says, he was t- saying what Muslims believe Christians are. And it says, 
the people of the book or the people that read the Bible and among the polytheists will be in hellfire to dwell therein for uh, forever. They are the worst of creatures. You know, and he mm. just read that out. He said... It's quite strong it, yeah, language, isn't it? He's just saying this, this is what um, Christians uh, believe. And and I went home and I read this. Mm. And it, they, they missed two important things. The first three words, those who reject truth are among... Among the people of the book, so there are some Christians that actually reject truth. In other words, right, and yeah. those well, people, we believe that as well, don't we? That's right. Those mm. people will be will face hellfire. It's just a way of saying it. Right, right. And it's it's what the Bible teaches. Mm. You know, I know it's the language probably we're not used to, but yes, it yes. actually teaches the same principle. Those that reject faith, in other words, will miss out on heaven. That's what mm. it's saying. Mm. Interesting, yeah. Look, that's a, that's an eye opener for me because I mean I, I I'm not very familiar with the writings of, of of Islam, but it's interesting to see that people will misapply and quote out of context the same way they do with with the scriptures with the Bible as well. It, it, it's unfair. They it should apply unfair, the yeah. same principles as we uh, look at a uh, a Bible verse to what a uh, a Quran mm. verse is or surah. Well, for, for Christians, especially for Seventh-day Adventists, the truth is very important. Now, Jesus even said, you shall know the truth, mm. and the truth will set you free. And if you're misrepresenting any particular group, misstating things, taking things out of context, I think it's actually a violation of that principle, isn't mm. it? Yeah, and also keeping in context of the era when everything was written. You know, we, we read some of the Old Testament um, verses, and you think, oh, boy, how does that fit in? Hmm. But you know you've, you've got to read it in context, and you've got to read it in the um, in the era and the purpose that was it was written for. You can't just yeah, take it sometimes as as it is without knowing the background. The Quran is the same. same. They were dealing with issues back there that we probably mm-hmm. have no idea of, and uh, when Muhammad was called to do his work, and he certainly was an incredible reformer. Of what he did, he cleaned out so much false worship, and uh, oh, he was right? he was really dealing with some big issues. Mm. And um, you know, we need need to be mindful of that. Yeah, there's a big portion of the world's population that um, are Muslim. Mm. Uh, roughly, what percentage of the population? Uh, well, according to the Pew report, two thousand nine. 2010, there are 1.76 billion Muslims, which equates uh, to about 23% of the world's population. So we're looking certainly at more than one in five people. Yeah, so basically one in four. Almost one in four. Mm. And And typically, how has the dialogue gone between, say, Christians and Muslims in the past? How is the dialogue? Yeah, has there been an openness to uh, to talk to each other? Because I think if I just look at Christianity in general, there is a, quite a dividing line, isn't there, between Islam and Christianity? There is. Yeah, very yeah. much. Well, the th- yeah, the thing is, Christianity can be very narrow-minded hmm. uh, in its application of, of things, and and I believe in Islam too, it can be. Um, 
you know, our dialogue with our Muslim friends is just, it's open, it's it's free, it's respectful. Mm. But if you go in for attack, in to attack, of course you're going to get rebuffed. Course, you know, yeah. it depends what attitude you have. Do I want to be a blessing to this person, or do I just want to tell them what I think? Mm. See, I, I have uh, a few friends who are Muslim, and uh, we don't talk a lot about religious beliefs, although uh, we do have very similar practices in our lifestyle. And we're good friends on that. But can you perhaps uh, give us any suggestions and ideas on how we can perhaps, you know, come together and have dialogue and discussion? What's worked for you with your interaction with with Islam and and, and Muslims? Um, Myself, once once we understand the commonalities we share, Mm. um, very quickly it will transition to, well, you know, why do you believe this? Mm. Why do you believe that you don't eat pigs, for example? Mm. Well, we look to Leviticus, um, and the the lifestyle that we lead can be supported biblically, um, and which gives credibility to Scripture. Now, the Quran points to the the um, what we call the Bible, the Old and New Testaments, yes. um, but it has a reputation of being corrupted and and in discussion you know we've discussed well is god capable even in a in a transliteration is the the essence that god is trying to convey to uh, mankind can that be preserved which of course it can be god yes. can do anything hmm. and uh, there are so many muslims who uh who can't speak Arabic, which is the pure word of God, um, as right. it was recorded. Mm-hmm. And yet with the translations, say, in English, um, they are Muslims through the um, the sources that they've used. So mm-hmm. um, once we establish that God can, you know, God's truth can prevail um, no matter what, if he wants, which, of course, he does, um, the discussion very quickly becomes um, spiritual, and the the majority of Muslims, if you're in a discussion at that level, they're spiritual people, and they um, are, are open, way more open than what we understand. They're not fragile people, mm-hmm. and and certainly we have to be respectful from both sides of the other's beliefs, but. They want to know why, in in this case, for example, why are we Adventists? And and as Adventists, um, you know, we believe, um, you know, we have been asked or commanded, um, have the responsibility to take God's end time message to the whole world, including mm. Islam, including Muslims, the, the adherents of Islam, and yeah, once they. Once I understand you care, it's it, it's the same as if somebody's approaching us, um, you know, courtesy and and politeness, all those wonderful things mm. which can melt anybody's heart. Yeah, you know, building a friendship. You know, you might have a neighbour that's a Muslim, or down the road, and you get to know them. You invite them for dinner, and they say, "Oh no, no, no." 
you know, often that is because they don't want to embarrass you by coming to your house and you've got alcohol on the table or you've got um, foods that... Pork. Yeah, yeah. okay. Mm. So they don't want to... It's not that they don't want to come. They don't want to embarrass you by them having to say, look, no, Mm. thank you. You've it's actually born out of politeness. It is. Yeah. It is. You know, they're, they're always – well, the ones that we work with, and, and I, I meet many, uh, and, and God knows everyone's heart, so I'm not talking on their behalf, but I only find really generally um, genuine care and respect. Mm. And I give that back to them. You know, they know that I am a follower of Issa, or Jesus, but I also uh, believe very similar things to them. You know, the, the the prophecy of Isaiah 60, and Rodney might share about this. You know, it's yeah. it's a wonderful prophecy at the end of time because we're in a, we're in this movement of faith. We're all growing. We're, we're getting ready for the soon return of Jesus, mm. and um, Muslims are also expecting that. Oh. So where do they fit into the picture? Mm. They do. Yeah, well, that's an important aspect of our faith, isn't it? Mm. Looking forward to the return of Jesus. And it's just fascinating to know that Islam shares the same belief and the same Mm. view, also looking forward. So in regards to uh, the scriptures, the Old and New Testament, Islam believes in the inspiration of the scriptures? Yes. Because you mentioned before that they say some of it has been corrupted. Is that corrupted through the interpretation and the original is the the pure word? Is that the the view or how how do they see that? Well, you know, they they will question the the original documents, Mm. um, where the original documents. But as we've discussed with Muslims, you know, God can protect his word um, no matter what. And, um, And the Quran, you know, speaks about looking you know, for clarification, um, looking to the people before you and the mm. the word before, before you know, before the um, recitation of the Quran. Um, I think it, um, Etienne. I think it's worth saying that you know, God does not not want us to tear others down, other people down, other faiths down, but rather to lift. Lift him up and to lift mm. Christ up. It sounds like and a subtle difference, but there's actually a, a big difference in the approach, isn't there? Mm. Mm. And um, it's it's like the world of Islam today is is troubled. It's probably going through its darkest hour. You know, we're all mm. witnessing what's been happening through the media in the Middle East, um, Western Iraq, or back to the even the Gulf Wars. But certainly. Western Iraq and Syria, which is hideous, mm. and this is in our time, and you know we can, and we have no right, but we can point the finger, um, an accusatory finger, at, at at Islam, or we can put out our hand and and say, how can we help you? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like a a hand, we can clench it like a fist, or you can play a violin with it. And and that needs to come from our heart. And as um, a very good friend of mine, one night I was catching an aircraft late at night at an airport, and he came to see me off, a Muslim man, wonderful man. And 
whose family had seen terrible persecution in in just happens in their life and uh, he said to me he said Rodney out of nowhere he said the way to a Muslim is not through theology all mm. the theology in the world it will not work but when you love us and when we meet heart to heart he said it is then that we will ask you for your theology and in um, in in Adventism, we have um, uh, a book called The Ministry of Healing. Yes. And on page 143, um, I'm sure you're familiar with it, where it says Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Saviour mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs and won their confidence. Then he bade them follow me. Mm. And in a sense, my Muslim friend is saying the same thing, like get to know us, love us. Let's build that love relationship. And and certainly if we're capable of that, the day will come where we will ask them what they believe, but they will ask us also what we believe. Yeah. And, you know, we have like the – just say the three angels' messages. That's for the whole world. That's not for Adventists right. or Flies a, in the midst alone. of heaven, it's, doesn't it? Mm, it's yeah. for everybody. Every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. Precisely. Yes. Precisely. Mm. So I'm fascinated by by that because that approach obviously fits in beautifully with the teachings of both the Old and New Testament. And I think it's the Apostle Paul that says that love is the fulfilling of the law, the fulfilling mm-hmm. of the Torah. So if we are not loving lovable Christians, we're certainly not living up to the, the mm. standard of the light that the, the scriptures present. And we believe, of course, that Christ is the embodiment of that love, mm. which is a fulfillment of the commandments. But I'm curious, you mentioned before about them looking forward to the coming of, of Christ. Mm-hmm. And also then there must be some sort of belief in the end of the world. Which, oh, yes. Uh, you know, happens at the, at the same time. Um, Islam is mentioned in prophecy. Um, how interested are they in those teachings and how open are they to those teachings? I'm looking particularly at the book of Revelation, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, under the trumpets there, uh, there's a number of woes mentioned there. I think there's three, if I remember correctly, and I believe Islam is referred to there. How open are they to understanding that, or how well do they understand those, those teachings? Well, it's interesting you ask because um, uh, a large mosque in America was invited to a silver service dinner and after the dinner um, and we're talking 1,000, 1,200 people mm. and I was ushered into a room afterwards because it was very noisy and I sat down and this, this gentleman a prince of a man he, he, he asked me he said Rodney there's uh, in the book of Revelation there are seven trumpets mm. and in the fifth trumpet you have uh, the first woe and the sixth trumpet you have the second woe and yes, then the seventh right. or under the seventh trumpet encompassing mm. is the third woe. May I ask you the first two woes fifth, sixth trumpets were they Islam? He asked you that question mm-hmm. so he must have had some background knowledge and it's it it, it he's not the only person that's asked me that question mm. and then the the third woe, then the question was, is the third woe, is that going to be a sign? Mm. And 
you know, it indicates these people are seekers, seekers certainly prophetically, and and I believe um, with biblical truth, and and I've had a leader say to me, a leader who who spoke for much of Islam, and he said, look, you know, we have so much to learn from you, and and if I may say this, um, it may hurt, hurt some of your listeners, sure. but. Um, he said, why is it that it seems that you don't have anything to learn from us? And I'll be bold and go through the whole comment. And he said, well, you know, learn politeness. In other words, okay, they're Muslims. They're different to us. That's yeah. no excuse not to be polite to them. Mm. If a, um, a girl's at the checkout, um, why can't we engage in conversation with them? Um, and... There's, yeah, the book of Revelation um, in chapter 9, verse 15, there's what we we know as the 391-year, 15-day uh, prophecy. Prophecy, yes, yes. And, um, and I've mentioned that that to them, brought, brought that up. And, um, and this is the prophecy that is an hour, a day, a month, a year. And this was the second woe which started on July the 27th, 1449 and finished on August the 11th, 1840. And it's just so interesting that the first time I shared that, and that was before a mosque, and they knew precisely what we were talking about with August the 11th, 1840. And, and this was when the Ottoman Empire lost its autonomy. It wasn't the end of the empire, but it lost its autonomy. Yes, yeah. and, um, and within Adventism, um, this prophecy is very precise, um, mm. and it's the linchpin for Adventist prophetic understanding for the day for a year principle, being Numbers, Book of Numbers, yeah. um, Chapter 14, 34, and Ezekiel. Um, chapter four, verses five and six. Now, um, it's interesting because I, I believe that uh, it was a Adventist, not a Seventh Day Adventist, but an Adventist at the time, who actually published. I think it was published ten days before the event. Before mm-hmm. uh, on the first of August, it was published that he said the Ottoman Empire would fall, and he gave the exact day that mm-hmm. it would happen, and that yes. of course confirmed the day for year principle as well. And if it's, I think it's Josiah Leach. That's correct. Uh, if it's not, if I'm not mistaken, yep. yeah, correct. so fascinating. So, so Islam and many in Islam are aware of these prophecies, so they weren't surprised at all when you shared some not, of the not that date, the eleventh, the date, but all very familiar with yeah. it. Well, um, of course, yeah, it's part mm. of their history, isn't it? Yeah, well, it is part of the mm. history, and, and so there's an openness to look at prophecy, absolutely, and to understand prophecy. Well, look, they're not they're not as fragile as you know as we as Christians or Adventists. Um, we we tend to, I think, as a body, tend to step back, and but then they're, they're not they're not as guarded and they're not as fragile as we think. They're they're lateral thinking people. That's been my experience, certainly Paul's experience, mm. Mm. Um, and you know, as a, a a man who is a wonderful friend of both Paul and I, and he spoke for uh, a large part of Islam massive part of Islam and he 
he happened to challenge me and he said, look, you're a Seventh-day Adventist, you're 150 years old, and yet Islam's never heard of you. How can you be whom you claim to be mm. if we've never heard of you? And it was a rather embarrassing um, sort of comment as sure, a rebuke, yeah. but, but he was a wonderful man. He said, look, he stepped back and he said, look, you have been given a, a, a message by God to take to the whole world. You have a res the responsibility at this time in history to take that message to the, to the, the whole world, including the Islamic world, including Muslims, mm -hmm. and do it. And if you don't, you'll be judged by God. And, um, and he said, um, you know, the message you have, um, just stand. Stand, don't compromise your message for anybody. Don't compromise your belief, your, the message that's been given to you. Don't compromise for a Muslim. Stand for the truth that God has given you. Mm. And if we, if we just think, you know, who is actually saying this? Um, this is a Muslim leader who's challenging us. And, and just while I'm thinking, um, and I was asked by another leader, about about ourselves and why we're so focused on revival and reform. Mm. And I said, oh, well, you know, we have some sort of housekeeping to do. Sure. <laughs> and it was interesting what he had to say. He said, just get out and do a mission and mm. you'll get all the revival and reform that you want. That's where you get your revival and reform. Mm. Do what's been commanded of you by God. Get out and do a mission. And again, I, I just ask the question who's actually saying this and uh, this is an Islamic leader saying yeah. to us to get on with the job that God has commanded us to do mm. and um, and it's correct we've got a job to do mm. let's yeah. get out and do it I guess if you look at the, the history of God's people all through the ages there has been a tendency at times to be quite insular and not to be the salt of the earth not mm. to let our light shine and here we have a friend from Islam reminding us not to be insular, mm -hmm. to be interactive and to share what we know and what we have. Mm, that's, wow. That's very true. And to have courage, the man that brought me to Christ. Um, out in inland Australia, and I'm going to, um, you know, I had lots of sheep and won't go through the whole situation, but this man had the courage to jump in my, in my pickup truck and... We went to had to go and check on this mob of sheep, and um, and he gave um, a little gospel presentation and changed my life. Yeah. Amazing, you know, in the most peculiar circumstances with sheep dogs yapping and all the things that happen out out in the bush. But he, it was a God moment, and I responded to it. Mm. But the important thing is that. Um, for him as he had the courage to step forward yes we need we need that courage we've got a beautiful message and uh, it's a shame when we keep it to ourselves and we have to be encouraged by other people now to share it um, Paul have, have, in your journey have you had opportunities to to present and to share our message and yes um, look I, I work in Indonesia uh, we every day we we have opportunities to share the good news mm. 
and we do it in very practical ways. Um, that's just how it works. We run pro- programs. Um, like I said, I've just got back from Indonesia where we have run a uh, what we call a quit now, stop smoking program to very large Muslim groups. We've run it in you know hun- uh, hundreds of schools, thousands of children because mm. it's a it's a really big problem. And even though it might be the health a, a health message. That's part of the gospel message. Yes. You know, when, when you think about it, it's 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 all encompassed in what the Lord would have us to do: share these portions of good news. Um, so yeah, in Australia, you know, we can you can go direct, uh, as we have. We've taken Bible studies on the second coming of Jesus or the preparation of the second coming of Jesus to large Muslim groups. And, of course, they're just, they're just open. Because it's just, part of their belief. Yeah, this is just wonderful. Christ is coming. You know? yes. yeah. I, I sit and listen to some of their presentations and I think, wow, that's just so good. You know, they're just so focused. And, and certain groups uh, do it better than others, hmm. and that's just how it is. But if we're not out there engaging on, on this journey... We're going to miss opportunities. That's the point. And when you think of the work that uh, Jesus did when he was here, he mm. was out there engaging, mixing, sharing, you know, healing, and and just doing yes, all the practical things. Doing good things. and healing all who were afflicted. Yeah, yeah he that's did. Right. You know, but getting back to one of your earlier points in regards to scripture, you know, some people do. Th- uh, some Muslims uh, think, or a lot of Muslims think, that the scriptures have been corrupted. And this is quite an interest to me, this one, because I think, well, where have they been corrupted? But I've got a document here put out by uh, a very large group of professors, many many of them Muslim professors mm. around the world. And so it's a great reading, but basically it, it brings out the point. And the Quran is right when it says there is corruption, but it's the corruption is in the interpretation of the scriptures. Not sure. so much the scriptures, and mm. that's really the point that this document brings out. And they they bring it out. They show that actually the Quran says really it's it's those that teach the scriptures in a corrupt way. And when I think of the Christian oh. world, you know we have uh, the Christian world are just it's so mixed up. They believe this, they believe that. It's you know, there's so many different beliefs. Mm. You think, where do you get all this information from? Is Does it come out of the Torah or the Injil, or is it coming out of your organization that think this is the information you should have? And so they teach that. Well, that's what the Quran is teaching and saying. Get back to what the book says. Get back to mm. what the Torah says. Get back to what Jesus said in the Injil or the mm. Psalms. Mm. That's all it's saying. And so... In a sense, it is it is correct, but it's um, I think some people get it mixed up. It's not so much the scriptures. It, well, it's not the scriptures that is corrupted. It's those that are teaching the scriptures in a corrupt way. Sure, they, they're yeah. teaching wrong theology. Well, if, if there weren't people corrupting it, I guess the scriptures won't be encouraging us to rightly divide the word of God, you know, and being mm. a workman that not, needs not to be ashamed. Yeah. And I guess there are many that should be ashamed because they're not rightly dividing the word of God. Yeah, yeah that's an interesting, interesting observation. 
But uh, what does surprise me is the, the openness to hear the message and and talk about uh, the end of the world, the, the coming of the Lord, and what we refer to as the three angels' messages, mm. which includes obviously the everlasting gospel, but in a judgment setting. So how does Islam look at the judgment from their perspective? How do how do they see it? Is, is their judgment part of their belief? Yes, it is. Just very much. Yeah, very much. Look, they they believe we we will all stand before the judgment. Okay. Um, before God, we will have to. So that's everyone. Yep, yeah, mm. everyone. And uh, Rodney, you might have a bit more insight into that, but just in my simple understanding with Muslims, this is what they share with me. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, um, and. We know that any observer will know that that Muslims strive so <clears throat> so hard to to have themselves in good favour with with um, with God, and mm. you know like this the second coming they they believe in the second coming of Christ, the return of Jesus, Jesus Israel Messiah, Jesus the Messiah. They. Um, Things may change a little bit as we understand it. When Christ does returns, there's some things there that okay is the difference. But the principle that Jesus is going to return, mm. and this is going to be um, the culmination or the the end of uh, civilization as we've known it, and then the judgment, and then of course we understand the millennium and and yes, so forth yes. going going forward. Um, what they uh, what Muslims don't understand about our own own um, well they have a have a have a, a different understanding put it that way and dare I say well whose fault's that yeah really I mean if we haven't departed with them and given them the opportunity to understand um, uh, truth that 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 in city, certainly prophetically, um, from biblical scripture, um, you know we have to be very careful, um, being too hard on these people when they haven't been exposed to truths which are indelible to us and part of us, and and or giving them the opportunity to at least investigate them and embrace mm. what they want, and if they it's their decision to embrace or reject. Sure, absolutely. Well, it's the same with all of us, isn't it? I mean, truth is progressive, and our mm-hmm. understanding of it keeps on being expanded if we allow ourselves to be open to the leading of God and mm. the Scriptures. Mm. Now, we've only got a few uh, moments left. Is there anything else that you'd like to share that you think will be of interest or important for the listeners to hear? Well, look, there's, there's many things, but, you, you know, when I um, commune with Muslims and I endeavor to study the way they study, as well as I study the, the Torah in Injil, to see what common ground we have. I constantly get this, this one theme that comes up. Mm. Those that have faith and those that reject faith. You know, the Quran, in, in, in my picture, continually encourages people to have faith in God. And in an area where it says here, for instance, in this little surah, if anyone desires a religion other than Islam, um, it says never will it be accepted. In other words, if anyone desires to be a religious person and you're not prepared to surrender, because that's all Islam is, 
It just says surrender. That's what Islam means? Yeah, Islam? Islam means surrender. So if anyone desires to be religious and you're not prepared to surrender, it will never be accepted. That's, and it's a constant theme. Mm, the mm. Bible teaches the same thing. It, it's it's yes. always, you know, it's it's giving your heart to God, giving your choices to God. And that's what it means to have faith. The Bible's full of it. It's just, so it's, a, it's really the same theme. Have faith in God, surrender your life to God. And so we need to nurture that. We need to say, yeah, I agree. I'm, I, I, I appreciate what, what, what you're saying. Instead mm. of, you know. Yeah, that's, that's the essence of, of, of Christianity as well. And that's the teachings of Jesus and, and the apostles. Because Jesus said, if you want to come after him, you have to take up your cross daily. And that, is, that yeah. represents a surrender, isn't it? You know, when I'm in Indonesia, when I first met Muslims, my Muslim friends up there, they, I shared with them what I believe. And they, they look at me and they say, well, you're a Muslim then. Is that right? Yeah. And I say, well, you know, I didn't really know what. I say, well, no, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Mm. And then I share a bit more. You're just like us, they would say. Mm. Which now I think back, you know, it's all they're getting this bigger picture themselves. Oh, there are people out there that actually are wanting to surrender to God. You know? Mm, mm. So any closing remarks from you, Rodney? Well, we have work to do mm. for us to be whom we claim to be, and we can just leave it at that. That's pretty straightforward. I think all of us can do more than we do. Um, but I don't think we should be timid. Um, you know, we gave a mosque, Paul and myself, we gave a mosque a copy of the Great Controversy, which was photocopied. It went to another part of the world, returned, was photocopied uh, six times by a girl in the office. That whole mosque has read the Great Controversy uh, with the exclamation uh, that this is the most profound book. Mm. Um, we you know, presented in a mosque... Um, just using the Bible and the Bible only, the desire of ages and the, uh, um, explaining what the, the book, The Desire of Ages, was. Um, just think about this. And, um, you know, we're invited to do a prophecy seminar, as we would call it, um, with the end-time warning message, as they called it, mm. um, in a mosque, live-streamed throughout the Islamic world, and to fantastic result, a man who, who um, separate to all this, who, uh, uh, how would I say, is concerned the world, when uh, the great controversy was explained to him and then the Beatitudes of Matthew chapter 5 yeah. were presented to him um, this man turned 180 degrees um, from a path which would put fear into any human being to mm -hmm. today being a, a quiet peace activist. And, and um, it's the power of the gospel. Um, you know, we have God on our side. Mm. And Amen. we have nothing to fear. We've just got to get out and do it. And it's so enjoyable. It's so enjoyable. Yeah, friendship is enjoyable, isn't it? Mm. That's well, fun. 
Gentlemen, I want to thank you for joining us and sharing your journey so far from, you know, your, your time that you were born and your, your, your progress through, uh, well, it be Christianity or, you know, even now becoming friends with, with our friends and, and Islam and understanding them better and, and, and walking that journey with them. So Paul Bennett and Rodney McCallum, thank you very much for giving us a, a deeper insight and understanding of Islam and our friends in Islam and how we can, you know, mm. walk that path together to prepare for the soon return of Jesus Christ. Mm. It's been a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, thank, you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Good on you. I'm Etienne McClintock. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to your company next time on another Life Learnings program. Australia Radio, we love to hear back from our listeners. If you would like to give feedback, catch up on episodes, live stream our broadcasts, download free resources or learn more about Jesus Christ, contact us today. You can do so via our website at 3abnaustralia.org.au, giving us a call on 02-4973-3456, sending us an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au or posting a letter in the mail to P.O. Box 752, Morissette, New South Wales, 2264, Australia. If you didn't have a pen to catch these, just go to your favourite online search engine and type in 3ABN Australia. We can't wait to hear from you.
You've been listening to a song by Henry Higgins, Oh Love That Will Not Let Me Go. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.